Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello there, Mike Collins here, and you're very welcome to the latest episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. Today's episode is called, Would You Live on an Irish Island? Well, would you? Have you ever travelled to one? Would you live on one? Would you go back to live there, perhaps? Ireland, of course, is an island itself off the coast, the Atlantic coast of Europe. And as such, I suppose it's a relatively isolated place in the first place. But of course, even further to the west, you will find many, many uh, islands just off the shoreline of uh, the western counties of Ireland. And I suppose basically what has happened over many centuries is that the uh, the poorer people of Ireland over time, as it became more and more populated in the 1700s, were forced off the good land, further inland, and further and further to the extremities to the west, and started to populate many of, the, many of these islands. Now, before that time, you could say many of the islands were used by hermits, for example, uh, monks of various sorts and so on, because they would be sure not to be interrupted very much. But as time went on, these islands actually started to become first uh, populated, and then over time overpopulated. And I suppose from the time of the Great Famine onwards in the mid-1800s, the population started to decline more and more and more, until round about the 1950s, 60s, 70s, the people on the islands of the off the West Coast began to realise that, well, you know, life was very, very difficult should they remain where they were, with regards to schooling, with regards to uh, hospitals, with regards to all sorts of social aspects of life. And these islands started to become more and more depopulated. And I guess it was around that time that my enjoyment, I suppose, of the island started to step in, along with many other uh, young men of my age, because these are the places you went to for a bit of fun and a bit of crack. Places like Cape Clear Island off West Cork, uh, or perhaps Clare Island off Mayo, and in fact there's a song on that in just a few moments. They're the places you went to because you got away from it all, you had a bit of fun, you went with your friends, you are out all night, there was no guards to man the pubs. Uh, make sure they shut at the right time, and so on and so forth. So in today's episode, uh, we have two letters to share with you, which really focus in on that particular time of depopulation of those particular islands. And remember, because they were so isolated, these islands became the last bastions of a lot of the cultural I suppose, kind of the cultural aspects of both the Irish language, music, and so on. And to this day, in fact, they have become, I suppose, kind of they have reputations of still actually maintaining a lot of the actual, I suppose, kind of core of what makes us all Irish. Places like the Aran Islands, for example, off the coast of Galway and Clare. So we actually have chosen two letters for you today and three songs that I think are actually very appropriate. We're going to start off with a song in just a few moments, which is the Song of the Sea, sung by Lisa Hannigan. And it very much focuses in upon the actual, um, I suppose, the myth of the Selkie, more or less the mermaid in the shape of a um, seal. And I think it's a beautiful, haunting piece that just brings you to the sea around these particular mystical islands 
Then after that, uh, we have another letter read by Karina, and we have a song then called The Island, would you believe, by Paul Brady. And as you listen to that song, The Island, it's one that was actually written at the time of the Troubles in Northern Ireland, but I believe it has very, very particular resonances with regards to the situation we see uh, over in the Ukraine today. So definitely wanted to play that one today. And uh, finally, we have a song from the Saw Doctors, the wonderful, wonderful Saw Doctors, uh, called Clare Island. And again, it brings back that time in my memory in the 1970s, perhaps, as a young man heading off to these islands and having a weekend of just pure crack with your friends, and there was nothing like it. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the Song of the Sea. Between the hill, between the I came across the following in a local newspaper. The births of six babies on Shirkin and Hare Islands off West Cork in the past four years, including the arrival of three babies on Shirkin Island this year, have done more than anything else to raise spirits in the island communities and give them confidence for the future. 
It's a very positive sign, says Ashling Moran, a development worker for Sherkin, Long and Hare Islands. And she said, the last baby born before this on Sherkin Island was nearly 10 years ago. And I've been told that Finn, the baby born on Hare Island recently, was only the second baby born on Hare Island in the past 50 years. What's special about the islands is the huge sense of community there. So although you might not be living in a big city, you're not isolated. Now, have you ever visited a small island? Sure, maybe you have even lived on one for a time. The islanders of Ireland have a reputation of being an independent and hardy bunch. However difficult life was for those on the mainland, well, you could multiply those hardships for those who lived on our islands. This often led to a very close-knit island communities, many of whom both produced and influenced wonderful works of literature over the years. The islands around the island of Ireland. We have approximately 80 islands of significant size around the island of Ireland, and about 20 of those are inhabited today. However, if you go back all the way to 1841, when Ireland's population was at its greatest, islands like Shirkin, Inishmore, Achill, Clare, Valencia, Inishbofin and Bear Islands all have populations in excess of 1,000 people. Today, many of those populations are only one-tenth of that number. Two weeks back, we were at a celebration for my aunt's 80th birthday. Happy birthday, Kathleen. And towards the end of the evening, a dapper man walked up and introduced himself. His name was John McCarthy, and he started to talk about how well he knew my grandfather and grandmother from West Cork, both of whom he said were neighbours of his when his family moved to the mainland from Horse Island. He talked about how his sister was one of the last to die from TB in the country in the 1950s, and he let us know in no uncertain terms how hard life was on the island. When these islanders too came to the mainland, they were often looked down on by the locals. Life was tough. He reminded me of another neighbour of my grandparents, Dinny Cuhan. His family had also moved from Horse Island in the 1950s to the mainland in County Cork. And many of his stories talked about the lack of drinking water on the island. The islanders often had to drink their water from the bottom of disused copper mine shafts. Can you just imagine the minerals that water must have put into his body? The decline of one island. Horse Island lies just off the coast of Southern Ireland and counts as one of the Carberry Hundred Isles of West Cork. Like much of the region of West Cork, it was linked to copper mining in the early 1800s, providing much-needed employment in the building and working of the mines. In 11, in, back in the late 1830s, Samuel Lewis notes, Horse Island in the parish of Skull contains 81 inhabitants. It is situated in Roaring Water Bay, about a mile from the mainland, and compromises 92 acres based on clay slate with a very uneven surface. 
It is principally under cultivation by the spade. Coming up to 1841, the census shows that there are 137 people now living on the island. And like most parts of rural Ireland, Horse Ireland Island was hit hard by the famine of the late 1840s and saw her population starve, die of sickness and emigrate in very large numbers. By 1861, the population has further declined and dropped back to 87. If we move on to the population taken in the 1901 census, there are now just 42 people on the island. Some of the surnames there now are McCarthy, Harnett, Hooley, Newman, Jones, Cahan, Moyle and Shinoth. By 1966, not one person is recorded on Horse Island. So just before we said goodnight to John McCarthy, he said, Do you know, people often asked me how we left such a paradise. And it is a paradise today. But back in those times, life was very tough for us islanders and we saw better options for our children. But island life does put a toughness into you that's hard to knock out. So... Here's to the memory of John McCarthy, Dini Cohan and all the other thousands of Ireland's islanders, including those lovely new families setting up home for the first time on one of our islands. Skies of Lebanon are burning Those mighty cedars bleeding in the heat They're showing pictures on the television Women and children dying in the street Now we're still at it in our own place Still trying to Reach the future through the past Still trying to carve tomorrow from a tombstone But hey, don't listen to me Cause this wasn't meant to be no sad song We've heard too much of that before Right now I only Wanna be here with you Till the morning dew comes falling I wanna take you to the island And trace your footprints in the sand And in the evening when the sun goes down We'll make love to the sound of the ocean Banners over by the markets Whitewashing slogans on the shipyard wall 
witch doctors praying for a mighty showdown. No way a holy flag is gonna fall. Up here we sacrifice our children to feed the worn-out dreams of yesterday. Don't listen to me, 'cause this wasn't meant to be no sad song. I've sung too much of that before. Right now I only wanna be here with you till the morning dew comes falling. I wanna take you to the island. And trace your footprints in the sand. And in the evening, when there's no one around, we make love to the sound of the ocean. song. We have The Island there, both written and performed by Paul Brady from County Tyrone. And Paul wrote that song, I think it was probably in the mid-80s, at the time when the troubles in the north of Ireland were still at their height. And you can hear the very particular allusions there to kind of just what was going on around him at the time. Uh, but I think, again, there are resonances to what uh, is going on in the Ukraine at the moment. And um You know, I suppose kind of our hearts go out to all the poor folks uh, caught in the middle of that conflict at the moment. 
So there's the island, the island as, me- as metaphor, if you like, uh, from Paul Brady there. And now we're actually going to turn our attention to an island on the off, off the west coast of Ireland, uh, up there in County Galway, a place called Omi Island. So over to you, Karina, uh, for the next story about the islands of Ireland. Well, as you probably know, Ireland is an island not much larger than a middling-sized state in North America or Australia. However, there are many smaller islands to the north, south and west of Ireland, and many of these mere dots of land in the wild Atlantic Ocean had their own inhabitants, culture and customs for many hundreds of years. Now today, we're going to turn our attention to just one of these little islands. An island at the edge of Connemara. The island of Omi, O-M-E-Y, lies off the coast of Connemara, an area to the west of Ireland that covers parts of counties Mayo and Galway in the province of Connacht. This was the region that Cromwell referred to in the 1600s when he invited, inverted commas, leading Gaelic families to leave their fertile lands and move to the east and, as he put it so succinctly, go to hell or to Connacht. Maybe you've travelled from Galway to the town of Clifton or up along the lovely coast to County Mayo. If so, you've looked at the wide, open beauty of the mountains and lakes. But maybe you've also noticed that these lands are full of rock and bogs. You may have even seen Omi Island only a few hundred yards from the mainland. Now, Omi Island was one of hundreds of Irish islands that were inhabited down through the centuries, hitting a population peak during the 1840s until it dwindled down to a few year-round residents by 1970s. In history, a branch of the O'Tools of Leinster made their way westwards during the 1500s and settled around the island of Omi, a small tidal island close to the modern town of Clifton nowadays in Connemara. They were guests of the ruling Connemara O'Flaherty chieftains and they married into families up and down the Connemara coast. At the time of the Cromwellian transplantations in the 1600s, Omi Island was then taken from the O'Tools and divided between the Brown and Darcy families. But let's skip forward to the 1901 census. There were still over a hundred residents on Omi Island, and the families had surnames such as Faherty, MacLachlan, Walsh, Powell, Cohill, King, Mongan, Clunan, Connolly, Bodkin, Carney, Lydon, and Malloy. I wonder, did you hear any of your own Irish family surnames in that list? And maybe you have links back to Omi. Who knows? Now, let's have a little tale about a resident of Omi Island. One cold day in 2017, the last permanent resident of the island of Omi in County Galway was laid to rest. And his name was Pascal Whelan. He was born across the tidal flats on the mainland, but always had an affinity with Omi Island. He visited on a regular basis and felt that one day he would be living there permanently. However, like many young men in the west of Ireland, Pascal, being a young man, emigrated overseas for work, 
as well as a little adventure. And he certainly found both. Somewhere along the way, Pascal picked up work as a stuntman and worked on such film, films as Crocodile Dundee, as well as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He even taught a Connemara neighbour, the actor Peter O'Toole, how to sword fight. However, when one of his colleagues was killed in a fatal accident, he turned away from stunt work and returned to live on the quiet Omi Island at the age of 45. When Pascal was born back in 1942, there were 70 residents on the island, but by the time he died, he was the last permanent resident. Before he died, Pascal met with the photographer Kevin Griffin, and they struck up a friendship, and Kevin produced a lovely book of photographs that captured Pascal and his unique surroundings of Omi Island. You can see these photos in the book called Last Man Standing. Today, many islands like Omi, located all around the coast of Ireland, contain a mixture of ruins and holiday cottages and the lands coming to life only for a few months in the summer with summer visitors. It seems that the lifestyle we enjoy today doesn't fit the all-year-round reality of island life. However, Maybe that will change as we become more connected through broadband and we'll eventually see the repopulation of these many beautiful islands around our coast. Will you meet me on Clare Island? Summer stars are in the sky Get the ferry out from Runa And wave all our cares goodbye And we'll go dancing at the Cayley We'll go kissing on the strand Take our clothes off in the moonlight Skinny dipping hand in hand Start drinking in the twilight Keep it up until the dawn Both the bars because there's no guards Take our names and send us home Will you meet me on clear Will you meet me 
And if there's wild and tall white horses And the swell rolls in the bay I won't care if the boat can't sail We get home some other day Will you meet me on Clare The Saw Doctors there from Toome in County Galway with the perfectly written Clare Island. Doesn't that really kind of evoke, certainly for me anyway, just what life, if you like weekend life I should say, was like on the islands from perhaps the 1970s onwards when they ceased to be these kind of harsh places from which everybody was emigrating to becoming a target for tourism, uh, be it the weekend tourism that uh, Clare Island of the Saw Doctors sings about there, or indeed the much more developed tourism I think we actually have as of today, where people come from all around the world to visit these magical and unique places, little jewels, if you like, uh, scattered all around the coast of Ireland. So that brings us to the end of today's episode entitled Would You Live on an Irish Island? And well, maybe has today's episode given you any further ideas as to whether you might or not? Well, have a look at our show notes anyway, which you'll find at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 710. That's a letterfromireland.com forward slash 710. And um, well, I suppose that's it for me from next from this week. It's uh, Mike Collins here, uh, ably helped there by Karina reading the letters. Uh, absolutely wonderfully. Thank you for that, Karina. And until we chat again next week, Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, the Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of the Green Room at a letter from Ireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. 
and I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina. <laughs>